So right. that's right. So these are deals where income versus expenses versus liabilities is great. We're good to go. We're checked, but we still need a little bit more in terms of deposits. So we're looking at a six month to one year turnaround time in order to get those guys to pre-approval and then get them down to close. Right. It just so people are listening, like it's not like you're getting on the phone with 4,500 people to qualify them. You're using a funnel, right? Yeah. <laughs> so like, could you imagine? Dude, be like, could you imagine? Yeah. No, just, this, like, just this absolute machine who's just constantly like, on the phone 24 like, yeah, You've got yeah, 30 yeah, yeah. seconds. Tell me why I should yeah, keep yeah, you on the phone. Yeah. Click, click, click. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation, Scott Peckford here. Today on the show, I have Rob Roper. Rob is the number one mortgage broker using TikTok to generate business. I had him on the show a little while ago, and I thought I'd have him back to see if it's still working, see if anything's changed. Some of the conversations we talk about is the most engaging piece of content he created. What did he do with that? What is something that he thought was going to work but didn't, and what he learned from it? We talked about whether short content style is still working. And he also gave me a three-part framework that has been effective for creating content. Now, Rob has actually created a super cool course where it's 64 modules and it literally gives you a behind the scenes look at how he creates content. He teaches you how he does it. You can go to tiktokbroker.ca. There's also a link in the show notes. Go directly to that tiktokbroker.ca or click on the show notes. Before you do that, listen to this podcast. You can find out about his numbers. He's funded 70 million in mortgages in six months directly from TikTok. Have a listen. And then if it's something you want to learn how to do, go check it out. And also today I have Tom Hall on the show talking about how to navigate changes in lender access. Before we jump into that, let me give a shout out to our title sponsor, Finmo. Finmo's Canadian mortgage application, document collection, submission platform. Very easy to use for borrowers, brokers. One of the cool things when you're filling out an application or the client is it knows exactly what documents to ask for. It's called Smart Docs. And when you get the application, you can then go and search Lender Spotlight with all the rates and guidelines to figure out where to send that file to not waste time. Finally, when you go to hit submit, it's got smart submission notes. So it pulls the key data, puts it into the notes, and it also depending which lender you're sending it to, it'll let you know, hey, don't forget about these guidelines for the lender. The whole idea is to get you approvals faster. Check them out at lendesk.com slash finmo to set up a free trial and check out this episode. Hey, Rob, welcome back to the show. Hey, buddy, how you going? Long time no see. Yeah, man, I know that we've both been very busy. I have a head down working on the brokerage and you've been head down like taking over TikTok. And so I always love chatting <laughs> with you about like, you know, how TikTok's evolved what's working right now for you. And you've got some cool things that, you know, for our listeners, if they want to find out how they can actually use TikTok as a mortgage broker, which we'll come to, but maybe give me a update on, so how's TikTok been working for you in the last, you know, 60 to 90 days, given everybody has seen this all of a sudden rates and inflation. I assume in Australia, it's the same as it is here. Yeah. People are like, oh yeah, my gosh, yeah. it's the end of the world, you know, but so what are you yes. seeing? Yeah, look, we're definitely seeing a decrease in the number of home buyers that have the confidence to enter the market. I think that's been a big one. Obviously, um, the media doesn't help when they're pushing out fear tactics to make home buyers question whether or not it's the right time to buy a home. But still what I'm finding on TikTok is as an organic lead generation platform, it's still second to none in terms of the social media world. And to be honest, in terms of a lot of paid advertising out there as well. So I'm still pulling in around 150 leads a week at the moment through TikTok. And like I said, I'm not spending $1 on advertising, which is obviously for me, the biggest draw card because it's really free leads. It's free leads. Yeah. yeah it's crazy. So yeah. is Australia like Canada? So what's happened with rates and what's going on with inflation? I yeah. want to get like context specific before we get into like the- Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the Reserve Bank of Australia for the last three sessions have increased the cash rate. 
which yeah. then therefore has the major banks in Australia have then therefore reacted to that cash rate and then they've increased interest rates across home loans. How much have they increased um, their rate? We call it the overnight rate or the prime rate, the Bank of Canada rate. So with the cash rate, how much have you seen that go up in the last few months? It's going up by half a percent every kind of round at the moment. So it's now sitting above 1%, whereas before it was sitting at 0.25% for you know years before that. And so as a comparison at the moment, you know probably some of the best interest rates that you can get out with one of the major banks at a variable interest rate, so it's not fixed in is sitting somewhere around the very, very high twos or low threes, um, mm-hmm. you know, between 2.8 and 3.2%. And that's if your loan to value ratio is around 80%. So of course, if you need to get mortgage insurance and push it up at around 90%, your interest rate is going to be much, 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 much higher around 4% at the moment. You know, what's interesting in Canada, a lot of times it's actually rates can be lower when you have it insured. So lower down payment equals. That's which- interesting. Because what happens is, is that an insured mortgage has got the mortgage default insurance. The lender actually has got less risk because even though the loan to value is higher, the government or the insurance company, the CMHC or Sagen or one of these other companies is like on the hook for a loss. So it's kind of funny where well, we've seen. Yeah. Isn't that yeah, interesting? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is interesting. I think what happens here and maybe the Australian public are being duped by the banks is the banks use it as an excuse to say, well, you've had to take out lenders mortgage insurance. Therefore, we've put you on one of the higher rates. Yeah, um, but it's funny. It's really, actually less risky. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, it doesn't make right. sense. Yours actually makes sense. So yeah, yeah. You know, it's I'll, funny. I'll, I'll, I'll call up the big four banks later on today and I'll discuss it. Listen, with we got to fix this. Yeah, yeah. I was talking to this guy in Canada. <laughs> he says you guys need to fix this. Okay, so you've seen that happen. And it, what have you seen happen with yeah. the real estate market? Have you seen like transactions down? I know that I was talking to one of my buddies, Ron Butler, and he's in his GTA in Toronto. And it was the uh-huh. lowest number of transactions in the month of July in 26 years. Like crazy. So wow. What, wow. I know not yeah. in the 12 months, but like, what have you guys been seeing? I think Toronto probably mimics Sydney over in Australia quite a lot. So we have a median house price in Sydney at the moment of $1.6 million, which when you compare that over to West of Australia, where I live in Perth, the average house price here is $600,000. So we're talking a million dollars difference for the same quality of home. So places like Sydney, have been first in terms of that increase completely plateauing. And in many suburbs, we've now seen a decline in house prices. So our main two cities, Sydney and Melbourne, have experienced that decline. But over where I live in Perth on the west side, we're still seeing a slight increase. Different cities are experiencing different markets. And some of the smaller cities like Hobart down in Tasmania are even experiencing like even more growth at the moment. Right. So people are um, fleeing I the bigger markets and who knows, right? Like that's why yeah. real estate is very region specific and it's difficult from a national perspective to make a policy that's not going to have a negative effect on somebody. And the way I've always Absolutely. described it, it's kind of like when the real estate market in Toronto, some of these markets is getting out of hand, the government's, we got to do something. It's kind of like other markets aren't experiencing that. It's like two kids in class are misbehaving. So everybody gets detention and it's like (laughs) real estate is regional. It should be that some of these guidelines and rules should be regional in nature, but of course it's very difficult to do, but okay. So let's talk about TikTok. So it sounds like Australia is very similar. One of the things the last time that we chatted was very popular on TikTok was these short, like seven second videos. Is that am I correct on that? Mm -hmm. And so is that still the thing? What are you noticing? What's interesting is, you know, over the last six months, I've created a lot of pieces of content. And I think regardless of what you do, whether it's TikTok creation, whether it's mortgage broking, whatever industry it is, you can become complacent and you can continue to do the same thing because you think it works. 
And eventually that same thing doesn't work. So with the seven second videos, they can work. But if your audience sees the same thing every single time, eventually they're going to get bored of that. So it's important to figure out how you're going to vary up your content. And that might be one minute videos that are really educational based with where you're providing as much value as possible. So they walk away from that one minute going, yes, here's one or two or three actionable things that I can do in my everyday life to buy my first home. But then it might also be those little seven second clips that really drive engagement and hook people into your profile to kind of build your following. Different pieces of content can be designed to do different things for yourself and for your business. So I think that's one thing that I've really taken on board over the last kind of, you know, two months in particular. And so give me an example of something that you, you said that you don't want to be complacent. What's something that you've been experimenting with that you've been finding has been working? So, and of course, yeah, people, yeah, yeah. they want to see what you're doing. They go to your, they go to your channel yeah. and they can see you. And so like, but what is something you've experimented with that you're like, huh, that actually worked better than I expected? Yeah. So let's say I might film a piece of content that might be just of a landscape or something aesthetically pleasing. Sometimes I do it with my own face, but I find that's maybe not the most aesthetically pleasing thing to put in my videos. So right. hey, it's working like for you, man. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I went for a walk the other day and there's a beautiful waterfall kind of around where we live. And I thought, yeah, beautiful. I'm going to, you know, my wife is always annoyed because I always stop for 10 seconds and take a quick 10 second video of whatever it is that we see. Because I know that later on, I'll be able to repurpose that into a piece of content. So how would I use a 10-second video of a waterfall? It sounds like it's not something that anyone who's interested in buying a home would want to see. But if you overlay some text over that video, but enough text so that it takes the person reading that video longer than the length of the video to read it, well, what's going to happen is if the text is interesting enough and it provides it enough again. value, I've done this. Oh, they're going to read the whole thing. They're going to watch right? it again. You know? Or I've yeah. done this, right? Pause it. I'm like, dang it, there's too much text. I'm annoyed. I want it. Have you done this? Have you like, or I got to watch the thing again because it's like, yeah, you let the sound, you just let the sound run through, right? Like, particularly if the sound is, you know, just something that's playing in the background and it goes for four or five seconds, you'll let the sound just play through. All of a sudden, you've watched it four times, you've read the bit of information. The key to making this valuable is for that piece of information to really hit your target audience. You know, if the information is about my favorite TV show and I'm trying to educate people about home buyers, that's not going to work. But if I give them information about one of the new government grants at the moment to help first home buyers get into the home with only a 5% deposit and they don't have to pay mortgage insurance, boom, that's value that they're going to want to apply. And then there's little strategies you can embed within that video, like a particular call to action to push out the engagement even further. The other thing to focus on that piece of content is, you know, I am the first to understand that we have such limited time in our days and I'm always scratching to try and find more time. So mm -hmm. if you can figure out a way to create a piece of content, like that piece of content would take me six minutes to create. Mm -hmm. You know, being on a walk with my wife, I've already filmed the 10 second video of the landscape. I know the content off the top of my head because, you know, in the broking industry, you should know the stuff back front anyway. Mm -hmm. I've quickly written the text onto my video, found a trending audio, boom, good to go. Posted it less than six minutes. To give you an indication on a video like that, I posted one three weeks ago, I think, and it was raining really heavily outside and it just sounded crazy on my um, patio tin roof. So I ran outside, took a video of the rain pelting down onto the ground and it sounded cool with the audio as well. Added a trending sound over the background, 500,000 views on that one. And so piece. what specifically, do you remember what was on that content? That was me referring to exactly the example that I gave. So referring to one of the first home buyer grants. So it was a video of my backyard that runs for seven seconds. 
of the rain just falling on my grass. So the actual background, it does not have to relate to the, it's no. not like you said, hey, worried about falling home prices, rain falling, like it's just not your face. And it's just no. something different that goes, oh, like, so it could be your, like, yeah. okay, that's interesting. I've found something that works is if you can find something that's a little bit interesting or a little bit aesthetically pleasing. And I don't know, really heavy rain falling on a nice landscape can be aesthetically pleasing for some people. And that would be coupled with the sound of the rain as well, coupled with a trending audio in the background, running at both 50% on the audio track. I found that to be an aesthetically pleasing environment. And then when you couple it with information that relates to someone's life, they're going to engage in that piece of content. And if you can get more eyes on that piece of content and you can embed a call to action, like share this video with your mate, because they're already thinking it's so valuable. Of course, I want to share it with my friend or help your friend out by sharing this with them. And then pointing right. an arrow down to where they can share it, you know, explicitly telling them what to do. It's amazing. First of all, how many eyes can fall into that piece of content, how little time you had to spend in order to create it, but then the outcome of the number of leads generated. So from that one piece of content, I think I pulled in around 120 leads. Right. Which I'm going to yeah. get into your numbers again, because your numbers always blow my mind. So the longer content, so 10 seconds in TikTok, can you see it when people engage and when they disengage? Like, is it? Yeah. Like, yeah. So if somebody wants to make a longer form content, what is some advice you'd give to somebody who's wanting to show something that's longer versus 10 seconds? Yeah. Three words, hook, problem, solution. So if you can embed those three things into your video, then you are 80% of the way done. So first of all, you know, and I'm sure when you're on TikTok, Scott, you've experienced the same thing. After three seconds, you're like, if this doesn't interest me, see you later. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Yeah. And that's why you get stuck into a loop of an hour and a half sitting there, you know, scrolling. TikTok is like channel surfing. Yeah. It's like, I remember, because I don't have cable anymore, but you go and stay in a hotel and you turn on the TV and then you just start surfing. And this is what TikTok yeah. has tapped into. It's like there's literally unlimited and you don't yeah. even know what's coming. You're just like, flick, flick, flick. So yeah. It's just endless. Um, it's just endless. And the algorithm, you know, knows you better than yourself, right? So it starts pushing you out stuff that, you know, like, you hopefully will engage with. So if you can embed a hook, which is really targeted towards your niche, okay? And I think that's the first mistake people make is they go, well, if I'm trying to embed a hook, it really needs to be like jumpy or, well, no, it just needs to be targeted at your niche. So if you're mm -hmm. specifically looking at home buyers, what is a hook that's going to target them? So it might be, do you want to know how to buy your first home with only $15,000 in savings? Well, boom, gee, there are a lot of people out there with 15K who never thought they could get into the housing market with only $15,000 in savings. So straight away, that's a hook. There's little strategies around the hooks as well. For example, you can speak specifically to someone and say, you know, are you and your partner on a joint income of $150,000? And do you want to buy your first home? Well, then this one's for you. So that's speaking specifically to someone about their information, but you can go one step further and be like, do you know someone in this position? Because of course, if they're the person that's in that position, yeah, they know someone themselves. Right, but, right. But you know, the yeah. likelihood of them having a brother or a sister or a mom or a dad or a friend or whatever who's in that home buying journey is quite high. And so they'll go, oh, this might be information that I can share with them. And then if you've got them hooked in at that point, pretty much whatever your call to action is will work down the track. So that's the first one, the hook. And then the second one is, well, what's the problem, right? The problem might be, well, if you're on a joint income of $150,000, if this is your living expenses, and if these are your total like personal loans, credit cards, and liabilities, well, then this is your borrowing power. What's your solution? Well, if we alter some of those things, we decrease your credit card limit, we adjust your living expenses and have proof of that over the last three months, 
then this is how we can adjust your borrowing power. So you actually right. provide them with a solution within that. And they you go, show oh, them okay. how to do it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then yeah. they're like, yeah. hey, I want you to help me do that. Because at the end of the day, people aren't going to just go in most cases do this without some guidance because they don't want to do it wrong. Exactly. And that's where your call to action comes into play. So how are you then, once you've provided that value, how are you going to explicitly tell them that you are the solution to that problem? So the solution to that problem might be adjust your living expenses, blah, 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 blah. But then the true solution is that if you speak to one of my mortgage brokers, we can organize that for you completely free of charge. We can put a plan in place where we mm -hmm. adjust those things so that when you're ready to go to buy a home in three months, this will be your borrowing power. Right. And what is your frequency right now of publishing? How often are you putting videos out? Yeah. So I'm publishing at the moment four times a day, you know, and that varies sometimes three, sometimes five. But really what I'm doing is trying to create three new posts a day. And then I'm drawing back on some of my old content and then reposting some of my old stuff as well to bring out the numbers. Okay. So is it literally the exact same video or is it just like a reshare. It depends. Yeah, yeah, it depends. So sometimes it is exactly the same, but then other times, let's pretend it's a repost of a video that doesn't have my voice in it, like there's no audio, So, but it's got a song in the background. I might volume down on that and then add a new song. So it's kind of freshened up with new audio, but it's got the same visual coming in. Or I might re-sticker it over an existing sticker and re-sticker it with a new call to action based on me wanting them to do something different. So all I'm doing is slightly tweaking a few things, but really the core of the video is the same. Right, right. Okay. And so give me your numbers. So what have you seen? Obviously, like, you know, mortgage interest is down temporarily, I think. But yes. So what, yes. what have you yes. seen? I know before we chatted, I said, hey, before we do this update show, I wanted to know what's going on. So give me a breakdown of yeah. what you've been seeing. Yeah, yeah. So still at the moment, like I said, I'm pulling in around 150 leads a week. And if we look at what those leads convert to over the last six months, since we had our last chat in February. So in the last six months, I've received around 4,500 leads. And then of those 4,500 leads, around 10% have converted to pre-approval, which is just over $200 million worth. And then of that 200 million, 30% have actually closed within that time, if that makes sense. Now, the other thing to note as well, though, is that a further 30% of the total 4,500 leads, so 30%, which converts to around $650 million if you're looking at an average loan size of $500,000, which is what it is down in Australia, then that's a further $650 million, which is sitting in our future pipeline. pipeline. So right. that's right. So these are deals where income versus expenses versus liabilities is great. We're good to go. We're checked but we still need a little bit more in terms of deposit. So we're looking at a six month to one year turnaround time in order to get those guys to pre-approval and then get them down to close. Right. It just so people are listening, like, it's not like you're getting on the phone with 4,500 people to qualify them. You're using a funnel, right? Yeah. <laughs> so like, could you imagine? Dude, be like, could you imagine? Yeah. No, just, this, like, just this absolute machine who's just constantly like, on the phone 24 like, seven. You've got 30 yeah, yeah, yeah. seconds. Tell me why I should yeah, keep yeah. you on the phone. Click, click, click. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. No. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, walk me through that. Yeah. So it's distributed to my network. I've got a network of 10 mortgage brokers that operate all over Australia. And basically I get the lead in, I distribute the lead to them, not all leads, because obviously some of the leads that are coming through, obviously I look at the information that I've collected and go, no, you know, this isn't appropriate for my brokers because with this volume coming through, I don't want to waste anyone's time. Right. So we've got to make sure that the lead I'm giving through to them is of quality. And once they've received that lead, they then take the ball and then they go through the processes of actually, you know, talking to that customer, going through their information, actually converting them down into a closed deal. 
yeah, that's basically the way it works. You know, in terms of a commission split, I don't charge for my leads at all upfront. Like a lot of other lead generation companies around the world, they'll charge you, you know, 15 to 150 bucks per lead upfront. My business model is it's completely free of charge to, to send the lead, but then I take a split of the uh, commission right. once it's closed. Do you have alignment then in that you want to make sure that they're getting quality and then there's yeah. a, it's a team approach. So let me ask you this. I have 150 people would apply in a week. How many of those would pass the first, you know, hurdle of, hey, I'm going to get this yeah. in front of one of my 10 yeah, brokers? Yeah, it's around 80%. It's around okay. 80%. Some weeks is better. It's floating around 90%, but probably, and then some weeks is a little worse at around 75. So it's around 80% on average. So that's still 80 transferred out of 100, you know? Right. And so then out of 100, 120 would go. And then from that, okay, that makes a lot of sense. So clearly TikTok works. I mean, I got a friend who Absolutely. is a business where he actually sells these little wooden pipes. It's called Fume. You can find it on TikTok. And they can't advertise on TikTok because it's a smoking cessation, like quit smoking oh, device. Oh, right. And he slays his TikTok strategy and it's all organic. Like he yeah. spends a small fortune on Facebook and it kind of still works, but like TikTok is slowly overtaking Facebook and it costs him nothing. It's crazy. I spoke to a mortgage broker the other day because of course, what's happened over the last six months is now I have mortgage brokers reaching out to me every week, wanting to be a part of the yep. network. But of course, I really want to keep the network at a particular level because I don't want to dilute everyone's share. So anyway, every week I'm speaking to more and more mortgage brokers who want to be a part of it. And some of the questions that I ask when I first chat to them is, you know, how are you generating leads at the moment? Because clearly if they're reaching out to me, it's something that they're passionate about increasing leads. Yeah. A lot of these guys are spending, you know, two to $5,000 depending on their business size, but really at a minimum two grand a month on Facebook ads. Yeah, that's not even that much. That's not that no. much, exactly. And when I first had a couple of people, I had one dude come through and say seven and a half grand a month. And I thought, first of all, how is that justified? Whenever they answer that question, and it's usually between two and five, I say, and how many deals do you get out of that? They can never actually tell me what their conversion rate is on that paid advertising because whichever advertising company that they're going through will give them all of these statistics around this click rate or that click rate or this conversion or this engagement. Can't, yeah, oh, I know. How, you know drives but me crazy. how many leads though are you actually getting for your money? That's the thing. And you know, I haven't spoken to anyone really where they've reflected on that situation with positivity. Right. Yeah, I agree. So we do advertising for my wife's Saro business. We do Facebook and it's been slowly decreasing over the we've got to make some adjustments, but we've seen some decrease in it. And they always like to talk about what is the cost per click or the, like the end of the day. What did I spend? And then yes. what did I make? And yes. where is that at? They will talk about everything but that, right? And so yeah. because they're focusing on, hey, the front end piece and stuff. And so if you don't get into the weeds of it a little bit, and I like that with you, you jump right into the like, hey, this is what I actually closed. This is the, you know, yeah. uh, the dollar amounts in terms of mortgages, whereas a lot of people don't do that. And I think yeah. that's a mistake, but very interesting. Okay. So anything else that you've noticed with the TikTok platform, like, in terms of what about like demographics? Have you seen like anything change yeah, there? Like is, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, what, what have so noticed? since I started back in June of 2021, definitely the average age of the types of people who are engaging in my content via the comments in particular has increased in age, which is great, obviously, for my content because I'm focused on first home buyers. So I found that when I first started out, there was lots of people in their 20s. And now a lot of people in their 30s and even 40s are commenting, sharing, and being a part of the discussion of my content, which is probably the biggest change that I've seen in terms of the demographics. Yeah, for sure. 
It's just getting so, older, right? Yeah, they're like, hey, because reality is on Facebook, half the stuff that hooks me is reels from TikTok. You know, you're on yeah, Facebook exactly. and you're like, it's the stuff on TikTok that hooks you is the stuff that you're watching on Facebook, which yeah, is yeah, probably yeah. why the Facebook marketing isn't working as well for one of the variety of reasons. The other one is, is that you can't track as well. Before it used to be much easier yeah. to track, you know, now with the iOS updates and stuff, it's harder to track yeah. for ads and things, but that's and we're, at, we're at that point, Scott, where more and more people are finding it socially acceptable to sit on TikTok. You know, back in, you know, June of 2021, when I first started, even a lot of my friends, you know, I'm 33, a lot of my friends around this age were still like, what, you're on TikTok? I didn't even have a TikTok account. And now yeah, it's at that kids. point where, yeah, that's right. Isn't that, you know, 17-year-old girls dancing? It's like, well, no, you know, <laughs> this is a place where you can learn information. But now... It's just accepted that pretty much, you know, lots of people my age have a TikTok account, you know, and it's something that they just add to their social media repertoire. And so what has been your most engaging, you got like 320,000 followers, 2 million likes. What has been the most engaging piece of content that you've created? Yeah, look, that's a great question. So I think that it varies. So this sounds strange, but I created a piece of content a couple of weeks ago and it's a mashup of a song. How does that song go? You know that saxophone that like Yeah, that song. I don't know, I don't know the name of it. Anyway, I just did me in the background miming to that song, just doing like a little silly, like, you know, moving my head around like this. Oh, the dance. But once again, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But once again, I'm sitting in my car, you know what I mean? In some yeah. random car park in a shopping center. It's not like I'm set up, you know, with my sneakers on and my dance shoes ready to go. I'm just sitting in my car, you know, moving around like this, making a bit of a funny face. Once again, overlay some text, but this text was really inspirational, right? The text was focused on being like, hey, if you and your partner can save $100 each per week, then in two years, you're going to have, you know, just over $20,000 saved. With that $20,000, if you apply for this government scheme, you can build a $600,000 home. You know, share this with your partner basically right, share this right. with the person you're saving with, you know, I produced in the last five or six weeks, that same piece of content four different times, me doing the same thing, same song, similar text, varied it up slightly. And when I say varied, I just changed the amount that they need to have saved. One said hundred bucks each per week. One said 80 bucks each per week. One said 150 each per week. And every one of those videos achieved over 800,000 views. Yeah, the one I see has got 1.1 million. So, uh, so <laughs> yeah, it's, right. yeah, you know, okay. So, you basically found a glitch in the matrix and you're like, hey, <laughs> we can go back three, four times with a slight different. And so, because it's algorithm based, I'm assuming the software is just like, it's not exactly the same content, it's slightly different, yeah. but you just double that's down right. on what works. Double um, down on what works. And that's the other thing, Scott, is you've got to see what sticks to the wall, right? And you're only going to know what sticks to the wall if you throw enough at it. And that's the point, right? If you push out content and you're not afraid to experiment with different types of content, then you're going to find out what works. If you only ever produce one a week, then you've only got 52 It's only one experiment. It's only one experiment. Yeah, Yeah, you got to run more experiments. So what's something that you thought would kill? You're like, this is going to kill and it didn't. And you're like, oh. Oh, There's been so many situations like that. I've sat down and I've been like, oh my God, this information is This is going to be amazing, yeah. So valuable. And I've cut it together in a really engaging way and spent my time on the stickers that I've put in there with the context and really thought about the audio. You know, and maybe that piece of content has taken me 40 minutes to produce, which is a long time in terms of content now these days. And then I'll hit post 
and I'll be waiting, waiting, waiting. And then it sits at 300 views or 200 views. And so mm -hmm. what's interesting about content is I have 320,000 odd followers and I still can post something with 100 views or 200 views and it will sit there like that and not get any more engagement. But that frustrating thing about TikTok is the most beautiful thing about TikTok too, because it means that it works the other way. You can have 300 followers and you can produce a piece of content that gets 500,000 views. And so right. I would much prefer it to be the way that it is and allows for people at all different Yeah, because otherwise, if you don't have the big followers, then you're not going to get like yeah. everybody who does TikTok as well has found that some of these smaller accounts actually he tends to find get better traction than some yeah. of the big ones. The really big Whereas ones, on, especially on for, Instagram, yeah. it's the opposite, right? On Instagram, it's the opposite. You, they you, won't even you know, see I, your content. Yeah. Oh, you know, I've pushed out some content on Instagram in the same way, you know, varied it up so it's specific to Instagram, but on that platform i've only got you know three and a half to four thousand followers something like that and so the amount of people that engage in my reels and my posts is representative of that following size right yeah yeah i totally yeah. agree with that in tiktok land though if it catches the algorithm it just goes and whereas in instagram you're not even yeah. going to get picked up so i think it's still early enough okay so we had chatted before you're looking at creating a program and it was going to be very labor intensive from a delivery perspective and and it was also going to be because of that labor intensivity it was going to be a lot more expensive tell me about what you've come up with and i'll make sure that yeah. we share a link for our listeners to go yeah. if you want to get trained by rob on how to use tiktok to build leads and a following and generate like, there's nobody that I personally know in the mortgage space that has spent more time experimenting with this and yeah. has more deeper understanding of this platform. So what's it called? And then what do they get? And how does that work? Talk me about that. What's yeah, your, what's, sure, what, sure, what, sure. what did so you call cool. it? I don't even know. I should have asked you this before. What did you, what did you end up <laughs> You're like, what is this thing called? So it's called convert your followers into customers. Yeah. The TikTok masterclass, you know, so pretty much a way to describe it is my TikTok masterclass that's focused on number one, building your brand awareness on TikTok, actually gaining followers on TikTok, but more importantly, and then this is something that I think really differentiates this course from anything else in the market. And I'm going to say worldwide, you know, nothing that I've come across anyway does this. Is it specifically catered to mortgage brokers designed by a person in the mortgage broking industry? that teaches you how to build your following, but more importantly, how to convert those followers into leads. So generate leads from that following. And I run you through the process of how I capture the lead in, how I capture the follower information and the simplicity of that process, and then how to actually go down the journey of turning them into customers. So that's really the transformation that I wanted to occur throughout the masterclass was from brand awareness to follower all the way through to customer. Right, customer acquisition. And just so people know your background, I mean, you're a teacher. But yes, you're, yeah. <laughs> and so it's not like Rob is like, oh, I wonder how am I going to put this together? You actually are a teacher who specializes in helping teachers teach better. And you also have a yes. tutoring company with a bunch <laughs> of, so you couldn't yeah. find somebody who has a deeper <laughs> understanding of education and what actually works from yeah. uh, how do I get what's in my head into your head? Because I've met people that are very good at what they do. They're very good at insert whatever yeah. that skill is. And then you talk yeah. to them and you're like, you know how to dunk but you cannot help somebody else. You can't teach somebody else how to dunk, right? Like you don't understand that it, because it's just natural. Exactly. Whereas somebody who's a good teacher can step away from themselves and go, I can see it from your perspective. I always say, tell me like I'm 10, dumb it down and like show me how I can actually follow this, right? So I yeah, think- teaching is an art. Teaching is an art. And it's one of the reasons why it resulted in the structure of the course. So basically what I've done is I've separated this course into six chapters. These six chapters are delivered to students over 25 days. 
And the reason for that is there's a five-day gap in between each chapter because I'm going to give you in the course actionable tasks that you need to complete over those five days. Because we both know that you could sit there and you could absorb all the information in the world, but until you put it into practice, nothing's going to actually change and mm -hmm. nothing's going to stick. And I know that right. from being experienced with the teachers that I teach at the high school that I still teach at is until I actually teach them something and watch them put it into practice, it doesn't create change for them. Right. Um, so that's why I structured it um, spread over the five days. And then within each chapter, there's around 10 modules. So there's 64 learning experiences in total. And every single one of those learning experiences is audio visual. So it's all video. It's all presented by me. And it transitions between the theory of what I do as well as practically showing you a behind the scenes account of how I do it. So I actually show you where I sit in my room against what light sources, how I film my content, all the way down to which buttons I press on my phone. So I've screen recorded my phone while I'm doing it, pointing to the buttons that I press, how long I press them for, how I find the trending audio, how I embed particular effects. And I'm doing it and explaining to you why I'm doing it in order to create a particular outcome. So then I go and show you the video that I posted according to that theory. And then the most important thing is that I am completely transparent and show you a screen recording of all of my TikTok analytics that's attached. So you can to see behind the scenes. Video. Yeah. So not only do you see yeah. how it was created, why you did it the way you did, you get to see the final product, and then you get to see the analytics to be like, like literally, yeah. you couldn't unless somebody flew to Australia, you know, sat down beside you, they wouldn't be able to get a better education on how to do this. Okay, so I'll put a link to it. So it's basically convert your followers into customers, a TikTok masterclass, and right now, so there is an introductory price on this that you're going to put out, and so. Let's talk about that, what the price is. And so if you're listening to this, depending on when you may be gone, yep. I'm not going to promise you that it will be there forever. Correct. But I know that you've agreed. You say, yes, yeah, Scott, I will do an introductory price on this. So what is yep. that price at right now? And then we'll talk for that. Yeah, so it's 2999 Australian dollars. So I'm not sure of the conversion on that Canadian, but it it's comes down 90 a little cents. bit. Yeah, it's about 10% less. 10% so, less for Canadian. Yeah. And then Australian, because we got American listeners to USD, it's like, 69 cents on the dollar it's like oh geez look at that guys that's it yeah. i'm putting the price up for the americans yeah the price is going to america. Yeah, okay. if you're from america actually we love america but a lot of my i got friends in america uh then your price is different no it's in australian dollars because rob's in australia but the content yeah. is universal in terms of it's just about how to engage within that platform how to get people so i think it's amazing and i know that you've been working on this for several months behind the scenes as you're also still you know, bringing in 150 leads a week, you're like, hey, how do I actually create something that is extremely useful, but is also not going to take up a limited, you know, your time that you have very little of. So yes, I think it's yes. amazing. Yeah. And I think the thing as well that I wanted to touch on was, you know, like I said before about becoming complacent in anything that you do, because over the last six weeks to eight weeks, I have been writing the course. I have been acutely aware of all of these different things that I do because I've had to unpack them and deliver them in the course over those 64 modules that I've then started reapplying them to my own TikTok page. And, you know, as a result of that, over the last 28 days, I've had 5.1 million video views, which for me is up 72%. 53,000 shares, which for me is up 231%. And so... It's kind of like I just reaffirmed while I was creating the course. I was like, oh my God, that's right. Yes, of course this works. And look, it's currently working in the moment for me all over again. So that was just another kind of little proof point 
which was a great experience for my own account over the last 28 days. Well, it's funny when you do have to take the time to slow down and teach what you're doing. Yeah. You know, I find whenever I've got to train anybody on, you know, whether it's doing discovery calls or something in our company, it makes yeah. me go, okay, I got, like I can't get sloppy and I can't get away with like, uh, okay, I know I should do it better, but I just fine. But you actually have to pay more attention. So it's the same thing. You having to sit down and create this may force you to become a better practitioner. And so you're obviously your own stats have gone up because of it. So yeah. and keep in mind, yeah. this is also in a market where there's less transactions happening right now. There's definitely yeah. a decline. So if somebody you're listening to this and you're like, hey, I want to increase my lead count or my lead opportunities, more swings at the bat, something like yeah. this could be a great and opportunity for you guys. And Scott, it's the perfect time now to take market share, right? While all of the other brokers are not investing their time in building this up because they're still reliving the good times of all the leads coming in and all the home buyers buying homes in this small downturn of people wanting to buy homes, this is your time to pounce and take market share, right? Yeah. And why not take market share on the fastest growing social media platform in the world? Because that's right. where everyone over the next six months, one year, one and a half years, that's where they're going to end up, right? And we don't know in the next year and a half, we don't know what the virality stats on TikTok is going to be. In the next two years, it could turn into Instagram. It could be three years. It could be four years. We don't know. But we know what it's like right now. So now's the time to pounce. And it still works. Yeah, I totally yeah. agree with you. And every time I talk to you, I'm like, dang, I got to get my TikTok going. I got to get my like, because I, yeah. I have dipped my toe in the water, but truthfully, I have not put the energy into it. But every time I talk to you, I get inspired. I'm like, dang, I got to like Re get, reignited. <laughs> reignited. I got to call you like every week. Rob, talk to me. Get me going here. Amp me up, man. Because I do agree with you. And I see people that are in my wife's space that are in the, the sourdough space who have adopted TikTok and they're going crazy. Like, and my yeah. wife has not jumped in there yet because she's kind of like, ah, I don't want to. And so, I, you know, there's a... Uh, she should. Her content is just perfect for it. I'd be watching sourdough videos every day. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, Rob, thanks again for chatting with me, man. What's your Instagram or what's your TikTok handle? Uh, so people can find well, you. I'll put it in the chat as well. It's the same on Instagram if you want to add me there too. So it's trusted.finance, which is the name of my business, trusted.finance. Right. People can find you on there. And then we have a link for you guys to check out Rob's course. Thanks, Rob, for chatting yeah. with me, man. Looking forward to seeing what you do with this. We'll have you back at some point and you can give me an update on how things are going. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. All the best. All right. Hopefully you got some inspiration from listening to Rob and TikTok is something that you want to get good at or want to learn how to do. Honestly, you couldn't find a better person than Rob to help you. Go to tiktokbroker.ca and you can get set up to do his course. It is going to go up. So he's got 30 days and the price is going up by 500 bucks. So if you're interested in it, I would strongly encourage you to go do it. Personally, if I'm not doing mortgage lead generation at the moment, but if I was, I would definitely be implementing TikTok as part of my strategy. In this upcoming segment, I'm going to be talking to Tom about navigating changes in lender access. Hey, Tom, welcome to Ask the Experts. Hey, Scott. Great to be back. So, hey, recently there was a post in the Facebook group about some changes that were going to happen to access potentially for users from Phylogix with the DLC group. And so it creates a bit of a stir. I think a lot of people didn't understand really what was going on there. You as a kind of a third-party independent company that supports yeah. all networks, I mean, you have some thoughts on how people can... We're in a very disruptive age right now. It's competitive. It's disruptive. It's actually very good. Like I've seen more innovation mm -hmm. in the last three years than I have in the last 15 and even more collaboration between companies. I didn't see that before. So I feel like these are good things, but this also means we're in turbulent waters. Yeah. And so how do you navigate that? So why don't we talk about it from your perspective as a company that basically supports brokers of all networks, of all right. shapes and sizes, as they say. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And a lot of this comes from kind of that stir, if you will, and not too much really, so far as I've seen, has come too much out of it. But I think it just started a lot of conversations, especially in our group, kind of, as you said, you know, we do kind of help everyone across the board. And so, you know, what does that look like? And people kind of looking for our opinions and our help on that sort of thing. And so what we kind of been saying and what we believe in, you know, a big part of who we are is, we feel that these types of these changes, these momentum shifts and these different you know, technology providers or origination systems or whatever you want to call them, I think they're going to continue to happen, right? And I think more and more they're going to be about kind of the lender access and that sort of thing. And of course, that's very important. But I think, you know, as you think about these systems, knowing that those are going to evolve, what's going to become kind of more and more important is taking your data and taking your customer journey outside of those origination systems. So owning them a little bit, having your own control. And what that really is going to allow for you is just kind of protect yourself going forward. If there are more stirs or there are different things that are happening, you kind of still have that choice, that ability to go where the, you know, the best lender access, which makes the most sense for you, but still kind of have that rock solid foundation in your data and in your client journey so you can keep running your business. Right. That makes a lot of sense. You know, it's interesting because some of the origination software, originally it was just, hey, I think of it like a bridge to an island of lenders and it was just a submission platform with no CRM component. But again, as disruptions happen, you see now they're building in CRM and they're building in some of that functionality. And so pros are you've got one place providing you like the way it works, but the cons are now you're in one place and now it's much more difficult for you to pivot and adjust basically what you're saying, right? Yeah. And I think, you know, how I like to think of it, you talk about it at a bridge, right? And pretend you're driving at night, maybe across that bridge. And so what they've done, some of these origination systems, you know, with their own CRMs is they put up lights on that bridge, right? So you can kind of see at night. So that's the continuation of the analogy. But what I'm encouraging people and what we kind of say in our conversation is just put headlights on your car, right? Don't rely on the bridge that you're on to make sure that the lights are up. Own that thing that's going to be essential to your journey, right? You see one of the bridges that doesn't work, you can cross one of the other bridges. Well, exactly, right? means that you can then, hey, I'm going to use this one or that one because this one seems to be, for whatever reason, it's got the right access slash, you know. Whatever whatever it is for you, yeah. Yeah, so if you have headlights, you don't have to go onto the bridge with lights. You can choose whatever bridge that gets you to whatever island you need to get to, right? right? You're putting that into your own hands. I love metaphors, man. You're yeah. talking my language. Sometimes when my team tries to sell me an idea, they come with a metaphor and I'm like, I'm in. Whatever you're selling me, I'm buying it. So, go. okay, what's kind of the second kind of point that you have to this? Yeah, and so I think that, okay, people say, okay, you know, maybe if we continue that analogy, yeah, I'm on board. You know, I don't want to rely on the lights that the bridge has provided. I want my own headlights. But, you know, how do I do that? How do I go about maybe building some headlights? And I think the really good thing is that, you know, the availability of headlights and that sort of thing is more accessible than ever, right? And really what I'm getting at here is just kind of the data connectivity, the APIs, that sort of thing. You know, you talk about many, many years ago, you know, that sort of concept of being able to connect data didn't exist as much. But now with this increased competition, you know, these different bridge builders or however you want to put it, are really encouraging that ability to, okay, yes, you can make your own headlights and we're going to kind of help you do that. So long story short, take advantage, understand what APIs and different data connection tools are out there, like a Zapier or something like that, and lean on those. So, you know, maintaining your own headlights or your own system, whatever it might be, does it need to be a cumbersome effort? It can actually be really straightforward 
when you use those right type of tools. And there's more and more of them every single day. I totally agree, Tom. I think that one of the things I've noticed is that people think they want one tool to rule them all. Like I want one app for doing everything. Ah, rarely does it work. It's kind of like, you remember those universal remotes that have like a bajillion buttons on it? it doesn't, <laughs> yeah. And then you see an Apple remote and you're like, this one is easy. This one, I can't even figure out how to change the yeah, volume, yeah. right? So this is what could <laughs> yeah. end up happening. So what I think, in my opinion anyway, is that you have tools specifically that are good at each part of it, but they're interconnected. And right. if you're an electrician, you don't have one tool that's a voltimeter, a drill, you know, a screwdriver. You'd think that's insane. You'd be like, no, I have a tool belt and I have my tools. And that's how you have to think about it as a mortgage broker. You have tools that you use. Your CRM is one, your origination platform. If you use stuff for like text messaging or both, maybe a webinar software, right? You don't need one tool that does all that. You need them to connect with each other and make it a seamless experience for you and your clients. So that's my kind of thoughts on that. Yeah. And I think, you know, one thing, you know, what we do is in previous, you know, parts of our business, we used to work with all sorts of industries with their CRM and they were no different, right? If we worked with a manufacturer, you had your ERP that managed your inventory. And then you had, you know, this other piece of software that managed the line to make sure everybody was doing the right thing. And then you had the CRM that the sales guys used to, you know, sell the thing that you manufactured. And so, you know, I think that can be drawn very similar to the mortgage industry to say, hey, for each of these different functions, find the tool that does that very, very well and just make sure that they're talking to each other. So, you know, that's not cumbersome to maintain all these different types of systems. Yeah, I totally agree. I like specialized tools that work well together. And the other part you get is that it's hard to even get two mortgage brokers to agree on what they should be. Right. <laughs> right. So like, yeah. good luck. Like you're like, no, no, it should be this. It's like, no, I want to do it that way. They have different processes and that's what they stand with in the marketplace. If everybody made the burger the exact same way, there would be like, you don't need to have multiple, but everybody does it a little differently. So, okay. So what's kind of your last thought on this? Well, yeah, I think that kind of the last point, the second point there is, okay, owning your data, but also having flexibility in your data and being able to move it around. And then just, you know, the final point is very similar. Again, having the flexibility, but more so in your customer journey. Right. So understanding that, okay, what my customer journey is today, maybe I'm a brand new broker and all I care about right now is processing my new leads and, you know, building relationships with realtors, right, which is a great thing to do versus, you know, maybe you flash forward 15 years from now and say, okay, now I'm in the stage of my life the BD side of things, I just want to kind of nurture my book of business, making sure everyone's taken care of. So as again, you're thinking about, you know, the origination system you want to use or what you're going to connect it to, know that just like your data, you want to have that flexibility on your client journey. So as your business evolves, you know, the tools that you're using can evolve with it. Yeah, I totally agree. One of the things I think is a very useful, some people will bake their customer journey into their software. And I think that's a mistake because right. you're not using one tool, you're using multiple. And what's better is yeah. to actually map that thing out from beginning to end, from first contact to client for life. And right. you know, no tools involved, happens. right? No tools, like, a yeah. document. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. here's the recipe that we're gonna use mm -hmm. to cook up amazing mortgages. Now, what yeah. tools are we gonna insert at what points, what tools yeah. and what people, so that we can create this experience right. and don't think the tool first, to think the experience you want. Mm -hmm. And then, like, as you said, your process will change over time. You know, certain right. products are going to go away, certain products are going to change, you know, even regulatory changes. So it can make a big difference. All right. So why don't we absolutely. wrap up this discussion? Yeah, absolutely. So I think just kind of, you know, how we're thinking about it and how, you know, as people come to us and talk about, oh, what system should I be using right now? You know, I think that our main point is saying, you know, these things are always going to evolve. They're always going to have new access to different things or different lenders or whatever that might be. And so, 
for you, ultimately, what it's about, if you think about the bridge analogy, is just being able to have that flexibility to kind of choose the bridge that makes the most sense to you. And what that looks like, of course, is yeah, having that flexibility, but also owning that and taking some of that stuff on instead of relying on the streetlights that are on that bridge, get those headlights, have them on your car. And so that's kind of the data analogy, making sure that you own the data and you can have that but it also extends to your customer journey. And across both of those things, having the flexibility, knowing that over time, your needs and your business are gonna change. Right, I totally agree with you. So if you guys are listening to this and you want a car with lights, which is like, what? <laughs> uh, we're not really talking about a car here. If you want to have that, go check out bluemortgage.ca. It's blue with no E. Tom and his team can help you guys get that set up. Tom, always a pleasure chatting with you, man. We'll be chatting again soon. Thanks, Scott. Hey, thanks again for listening to this show with Rob and with Tom. And um, hopefully you picked up some nuggets today. I got some inspired on what's possible with these crazy platforms like TikTok. Again, check out tiktokbroker.ca. Check out Blue Mortgage if you are interested in a really fantastic CRM. And thanks again for listening to this episode. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.